0: Welcome to the Has Been Hoops podcast, now brought to you by Hoop City, Australia's number one basketball training facility. If you want to raise your game, visit the team at hoopcity.com.au to find your nearest location. Christopher Anstey, we're being very technical, very technical today. Um, We've just had game four of the NBL Grand Final Series with the New Zealand Breakers coming away and tying the uh, series at two all. New Zealand are bloody tough. They their defense is so bloody tough, and uh, they just wore the Kings down over forty minutes. What was your overriding thoughts watching the game last night?
1: My, my I agree with you. My my, my thought is that well, one of my thoughts is that they were very tough defensively. My overriding thought was that in all I've known through basketball, and I think you'd agree, is that you never get to a championship series as a player, as a coach, or as a fan and expect it to be the highest-skilled game for the season because it is so tough. But you don't expect it to be that bad either offensively. I, I don't think the defence was that good that you hold the top team in the league to, 20, what, 27 points odd at halftime, 30 points at halftime. at there were just so many turnovers, so many uncontested missed shots. Um, if I was the NBL, coming off the back of, again, that that FIBA window, what you've got is an incredible contest, but not a very high standard one on the offensive end. We do give credit to the defence, and it has been very solid, but not that solid. Um I think that the NBL would be very pleased and I think in their heart of hearts, if they're able to get over the line in game five, the Kings as well would be very pleased that they get another opportunity to put 18,000 people in the Kudos Bank Arena in Sydney and the the business side of this series will be much more positive given the result in New Zealand.
0: Is that why Larry Um, Kesselman publicly wanted New Zealand to win game four? Yeah, but uh, you know what,
1: you know, uh, I didn't mind what he said because the way I heard it was that he wanted a game five and he wanted equal footing on a game five. And I think if you asked Adam Silver who he'd prefer to win the championship, he'd say he wants to go to game seven in the championship series. So I, I, that's all I took it as. Um, but no, I, I think that... the. the it's tough to pick a standout. You know, uh, Brantley from New Zealand has been great. Um, Will McDowell-White had, had he has had his moments. He, you would have said Justin Simon, if, if the Kings had have wrapped up in game four, would have been MVP. Um, I've really, really enjoyed Angus Glover. Um, 62 minutes he's played in this series and plus minuses and everything, but plus 39. And even in the 10-point loss, he was only a minus one in that game, but Good things happens for the, good things happen for the Sydney Kings when Angus Glover's on the floor, and I just think he's been exceptional uh, this series. What did you see?
0: As a casual basketball fan, um, well, you don't probably see the things that we see. Uh, you had been a coach at the highest level. Uh, I've coached in NBL one uh, as players. When you do a film session. Coaches like to look at the first couple possessions to see what your intent is. And New Zealand came out with fantastic intent. Their defense was just on point. The rotations were there. They were physical. They were bumping well above the three-point line. And you could see right from the outset that Sydney were going to be in for a hell of a game. You're right. Not the offensive onslaught as a viewer that you would like to see. I remember looking at the the time and there was 5:30 to go in the third quarter and the Sydney Kings had only put 34 points on the board to that stage and if it's going to be that type of game New Zealand's going to win that type of game every single time um i think for sydney uh there was a lot of frustration there um they would have probably liked to have just wrapped it up and not gone to war one more time with this team because the longer it drags out, the more it sort of favours the New Zealand breakers. Uh, with Just on that, there was a lot of frustration.
1: You know, the, the two singlet pulls from Xavier Cooks and the frustration third foul when the championship or the game was still on the line.
0: I thought they were really, really big. And Chase, Chase Buford yeah, the, the, walking out on the press conference. The bench
1: seemed frustrated. It didn't seem as locked in as maybe what it could have been.
0: and the ebbs and flows of a grand final series, uh, we've been a part of being on opposite sides of five-game series before. Um, I think the the team that doesn't get too high and doesn't get too low typically comes out on top, and um, New Zealand have been very even-keeled this entire time. Outside of Brantley, who shows frustration towards teammates from time to time. You look at their team and their makeup, uh, Will McDowell-White, no thrills, no over-the-top. You look at uh, Tom Abercrombie, only had, what, two points or four points last night, but six steals, like, he he just did his job, essentially. Um, New Zealand were just tough. I'd still, I still can't bet against the Sydney Kings in a game five back at Kudos Bank Arena, but you've got to take your hat off from where New Zealand were last year and what Modi Mayor has done with his team. It's been incredible. Now, when it turns to MVP, as we touched on it, Simon, if he would have wrapped it up yesterday, and I still think if the Kings win, he is still the MVP. He wins it. Um, Brantley, while fantastic in game one and game four, was missing in game two and game three. Uh, Will McDowell-White has claim to that throne as well. Um, and the unsung heroes, your Rob Lowe's, your Geordie Hunters, your Angus Glover's, there, there's been so many good... Well, go, go back to game one when you called Rob Lowe as being potentially the
1: X-Factor, the X-factor and the guy who might find himself playing some minutes. So we'll give you a little bit of a pat on the back
0: well, for getting that one and, right. And he's had to because Derek Pardon has been a non-factor, uh, essentially...
1: He's getting a lot of open looks. Open, uncontested jump shots in championship games are priceless for good shooters, and that's exactly what he's getting. They're getting probably more easy looks than the Kings are getting, which is surprising.
0: I think, and it's interesting, there's been a lot of talk about the Sydney Kings' pick-and-roll coverage. They like playing in that drops coverage. that the, they, the only adjustment they made from games one to game two and three was they told their guards to fight over and be better. And Justin Simon was just that. He was just better. But in game four, you saw Will McDowell-White with his floaters, his runners, getting in his feet into the keyway. Um, I would love to see Suarez, Geordie Hunter, just take another half step up. Uh and then be really good at knowing when to switch once they get underneath the foul line, uh, all technical aspects of it. But um, it's, been a, it's been a fascinating chess match between two great teams and two quality coaches so far.
1: Tell me this. We, we had a message before we came on and we, we thought about talking about it. We will give a little shout-out to, to Steve. Um The Sydney Kings. You read social media from their ownership group, you hear their players speak in press conferences and they've really built up this everybody hates the Sydney Kings mentality internally. And that's fine, but do we? Before they built the narrative internally, did anyone actually hate the Sydney Kings? I like them. I like their owners. They're all a great group of people. I like their playing group. I don't think they were that abrasive. I think the wider basketball community is always almost bought into the narrative, oh, they're telling us not to like them, so maybe we won't. Is, how do you see that?
0: It's a really interesting tactic. Sometimes you need to build your own motivation. I, I, I go back to the Jordan documentary where if he didn't have anything, he'd tell himself something to make it personal. And um, it seems like they've told themselves that they're hated. Um and they are. They're, they're, they're disliked by the basketball public now. You're either a Sydney Kings fan or you're going for whoever the Sydney Kings is playing against, essentially. Um, I think Paul Smith has been a big driver of that. Um, I think Chase Buford... Chase Buford hasn't changed. Like, Chase Buford's been Chase Buford. Uh I see a lot of stuff about him being a crybaby and stuff like that. Uh, Chase is an emotional coach. He, he wears his heart on sure. his sleeve. Would you prefer him to sometimes do it in a better manner? Uh, who, who am I to say it? Who are you to say it at the end of the day?
1: You, you, you know, the emotional coaches you've played for, oftentimes they're the ones that the players really love and you know, circle the wagons with their... Uh, did, did you have an opinion on walking out of the press conference?
0: Um, having been in those situations, I think it would probably be important, and I, and I haven't seen it, is probably the context of the lead-up to the walking out. I don't know everyone's seen a, the question about the physicality, but maybe I need to see the whole press conference because sometimes uh, journalists try to trick you or annoy you. Where's
1: it? Well, I, I must say that the, let's just get there instead of talking around. The New Zealand media have got a long way to go to catch up to the quality of questioning that the Australian basketball media present at yeah. press conferences. There, so you listen a lot to it all? Of simple questions that shouldn't be allowed to get through the cracks at an NBL championship press conference. I'm not giving him yeah. a bailout. There are some basic questions when you go to New Zealand and play the breakers from their
0: and, and it's frustrating as a coach and it's frustrating as a player, especially if you have to reword things, uh, or you're you're answering the same question that's just being reworded in a different way. Um, I don't think the Kings necessarily have a problem with the physicality of the New Zealand breakers, or or question that they they're not up to the physicality. Um, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't have a not have a. You know it. what, the physicality
1: is an, an interesting one because I would say to you that for a number of players, the most physical element of a basketball game is the conditioning element of it, the, the speed up and down, and that's the one thing that the breakers have taken away from the Kings in this series. The Kings want to play fast. They want to play a high-possession game. The breakers haven't allowed them to do that. So when you say physicality, there's a lot of guys out there who can beat each other up in the post all game long, but they can't make it that they can't survive a track meet. So it, it comes and goes. It's two different conversations, but it's the absolutely.
0: Same thing. And credit to New Zealand, they have been exceptional, slowing the Kings down and their speed of their offense and the easy ten to fifteen points that they get in transition, or either by layups, getting to the free throw line, being able to kick out to open shots. That just hasn't been there for the Kings this series. Uh, We've seen glimpses of it in game three when it was a bit of a blowout come the second half. But New Zealand, and something for people to watch, when you're watching um, Walton Jr. dribble the ball down the court and it could be a semi-transition, you see all five guys behind the line of the ball. The plugger is in that position where he can't get to the middle of the floor to try and create cracks. Everything that they did in game four was try and break him down off a one-on-one either through the post or through Walton Jr. at the top. And New Zealand's defense was just too good and, and was stingy. And you know what? If Walton Jr. has to put on seven moves to get a free-throw line jumper and he makes it, you say well done to him at the end of the day, but he's had to work bloody hard to get his points.
1: You know what? It's, a, it's an interesting conversation for another time that so many best of the best players you speak to, the knock, if there is to be had one on the NBL right now, is we're so uh, system dependent. We're dependent on execution to get our shots. In a five-game series, you take that away. We, we, we really start to see which players can create their own shot in a confined space and what teams look like when they take that away. So it's a conversation for another time, but I think you're spot on. New Zealand, you described them keeping the ball on one side of the floor, having them try to penetrate into a crowd, not letting the ball move side to side and shift the defence. They're attacking a stagnant defence so often. Um
0: Hey, no, let something. me do something. Stop the press. Stop.
1: Like, yeah, Stop okay, you do it. You
0: do it. Go. We're gonna give a umpire credit where credit is due. And even though I feel a little sick inside, and it's mainly because it's a public holiday on the East Coast and I can't have a beer with my mates. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Allen. I've been i I've been a heavy critic of Michael Allen throughout the years. But Michael Allen has umpired this series really, really well. He's questioned his own calls and gone for a review and got it right by questioning himself in the game last night. He overturned the Rob Low charge on Sean Bruce. Uh,
1: that was the best call I've seen this series, and that's what the NBL needs. That uh,
0: So, Michael Allen. I know you're probably not listening, but well done. Well done.
1: (laughs) Just just, just to – I want to pick up just a little bit more detail on that overturn. So Rob Lowe backed Sean Bruce down into the block and spam. There was a small amount of incidental contact. Uh, Sean Bruce flopped and Rob Lowe picked up what would have been his fifth foul. The breakers challenged it. And you go to the video replay and there is contact. There was – if the referees wanted to uphold that call, they absolutely could have, and historically they may have. But Michael Allen came out and said there was insufficient contact to cause Sean Bruce to flop that hard and use the word flop. Now, he still didn't give him a flop warning, but he overturned the call, Rob Lowe stayed in the game, and... That moment, if that's a line in the sand moment for the NBL in a championship series moving forward to make sure we don't reward flops because as a defensive basketball nation, we throw our bodies in the way of drivers and fall down too much. Stay on your feet. It's a better spectacle. Stay on your feet. Um, I agree. Well done, can, Michael I, can I
0: just piggyback while I'm going to credit Michael Allen. Um, You're going well. Don't, don't going going throw a knife. Um, don't. You're no, i do not. Okay. Vaughan Mabry is referee of the year. So he deserves to be, and one of the full-time referees, he deserves to be there. Uh, Michael Allen, been around forever and a day, deserves to be in the grand final series. Mitch Hare. I don't know what he did to deserve this grand final series. Um, and he's probably one of my least liked referees in the NBL currently. Um, and I think, I think this why? series is showing all his flaws as a referee. He's like,
1: by, by flaws you incorrect. mean incorrect calls, um, right?
0: I, I don't think he's very. Uh, I'd, I'd love to see his percentages of right versus wrong calls at the end of the day. And on top of that, his arrogance is at a all-time level. And piggybacking off that, why do we need three or two referees? plus Scott Butler, to do the review. Shouldn't we just entrust Scott Butler to help with the decision because he is the guy that they've put in charge? Why, why do we have the backup <coughs> reserve umpire if someone gets injured doing the review process as well, as well as someone else? I, I just don't understand that part.
1: There are a lot of referees in the building. <laughs> hey... Something else that I don't want to say surprised me. That'll come up because that comes across wrong. But immediately following Game Four, I ate dinner. I turned on the WNBL semi-final between Townsville and Perth. Game two in their semi-final series. Uh, the Flyers Boomers game's already gone to Game Three, which unfortunately is scheduled to be played at the same time as the NBL Grand Final Game Five. Um, I enjoyed watching the WNBL game if equally as much as the men's, if not more, because it, it was one of the best offensive games and execution of skill and high-level shooting that I've seen. Um, it was fun to watch. It was world-class. Um, enough players in there... You know, what Townsville have done 14 games in a row to put themselves in the championship series is incredible. Um, Shannon Seabomb's an incredible coach. They've got a team that's overachieving. Sorry, that, that, that came out wrong. They've got a, a team who's getting everything out of what they've got and not many picked to be in the championship series. But, But the game deserves better commentary. It, it just needs to be produced better, analysed better, Educate the audience better. Um, It can't just be reading stats and talking about emotion. We have to delve into the game itself. We have to commentate and comment on these players as elite athletes and talk about their skill. Let's not talk about their emotion. Let's not guess what they're feeling. Let's not talk about the bench is up, so it must be good. The WNBL is one of the best leagues in the world and it deserves to be covered as such
0: I think uh, the icing on the cake was during the boomers flyers game was the running of the ad for Lauren Jackson's game at high uh, John Kane arena to come out and to come and yeah, support, to come and support the goat and the game had been played what Three weeks, a month ago. A month ago. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, And it's hard to know if it's the the station that is covering it. It's hard to know if it's the WMBL itself. But you're right, the coverage, the commentary, it's bad. I, I, I want to I <laughs> be – the positive is the product. The, product's, is, the product is, is fantastic. The, just do do better, WNBL.
1: Hey, Tiff Mitchell's been fantastic. That the Flyers have been fantastic. I'm I'm actually going to Game Three. I'm going to actually be watching game NBL game uh, Game Five on replay when I get home that night. But um, a really really interesting final series coming up in the WNBL. Now, hey, a question with notice while we're still on the WNBL before we move on. Um, Matt Logue sent me a message, uh, writes for News Limited. I I did a podcast with him last year. My question for you, so International Women's Day was last Wednesday. Uh, Sherelle McMartin was immortalised with a statue at John Kane Arena. Well-deserved, incredible honour. Where does Lauren Jackson's statue go and why doesn't she have one yet?
0: Well, she should have a statue. That's that's first and foremost. I agree. Where do you
1: put it? Where's the best place to immortalise Lauren Jackson? Is it Sydney Olympic Park? Can I give? Can I throw an answer on your plate?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Represent the Olympic Games, to represent her representation. I think it has to be Australia. in Sydney. It should be one in Seattle should, as well. It should be in
0: Sydney. It should be in Sydney. Um, yeah, her run during the Sydney Olympics, her run during the World Cup, uh, being... A blue, blue bagger herself from Aubrey Wodonga. She should definitely be in Sydney, but she definitely deserves a statue. She, de- she deserves so much more. Like, she is one of the greatest female athletes Australia's produced. She's the greatest Australian basketballer we've ever produced. Um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd say Sydney Olympic Park would be the right location for it.
1: Well, let's definitely hope we see that. Sooner rather than later. Maybe next year. Hey, um, our Hoop City Raise Your Game segment, we nominate a player who's raised their game or someone who needs to get into Hoop City to raise theirs. I'm going to give you the two that we uh, that didn't quite get over the line and I'll let you announce the winner here. But um, I threw Michael Allen in. Bugger it. I know it's not an award for referees, but they deserve to be recognised as a... Um, as a nomination, so for, for what we spoke about before, uh, we nominated Michael Allen for getting the review and the refereeing of this grand final series really, really right. Um, based on your link to the Wizards and Xavier Cook's heading over there and I think a lot of people paying closer attention to what they're doing, uh, Chris Stapp's Porzingis, glimpses of his old unicorn self. He had his 43-point outpouring and... It seems like every day we turn an NBA game on and someone's got 40 plus, but uh, I'll let you award this week's Hoop City Raise Your Game winner and it's one that we uh, are unanimous on. We we think this guy deserves it. Yep,
0: we're sticking local again and that's with Angus Glover. Drop the Gs. He has been unbelievable. He's been the steady hand that the Sydney Kings have needed if he wasn't playing. Uh, New Zealand would have wrapped up this series already. He has been consistent with his shooting. He's been great on defense. Um, He's getting deflections. He's in the right spot defensively. Uh, And he's just been reliable. So to you, Angus Glover, well done for raising your game, especially in a grand final series. And I believe he is out of contract after this season. So I would assume there will be a few clubs circling his name Especially, I think he's been great all year, by the way. But especially after this Grand Final uh, series, that he deserves a decent-sized contract coming out, and he, he'd probably be starting in a lot of NBL teams.
1: and proven that his body's now holding up. He's done it harder, probably than any player in the NBL right now with the knee injuries he's come back from. Hey, um, let's flip it across to the NBA. Right at the end of the last episode, we ran out of time. We, we were about to discuss if the New York Knicks were legitimate. <laughs> They'd won nine in a row. They were flying. Jalen Brunson, Emmanuel Quigley, uh, RJ Barrett had been playing better. Um, <laughs> then they go and lose three in a row, including a loss to the Charlotte Hornets. Um are the New York Knicks legitimate? What is this slump? Um, I think we all expected a, a Cleveland-New York four versus five first round of the Eastern Conference finals. Uh, sorry, of the playoffs. Um, where do you see the Knicks?
0: They're not a championship contender, and this is why. Uh, Julius Randle is the equivalent of fool's gold. Uh he can make some incredible shots. He can have 30-point games, but we have yet to see him show up in a final series. When the Knicks had the good run two years ago uh, off the back of a Julius Randle, uh, great season, he was nowhere to be seen come finals. Um, Jalen Brunson has been better than advertised. I think the people within the organisation knew who they were getting. And he's been exceptional to date. Uh, Quickly has definitely excelled probably a little bit quicker than what uh, they were expecting him to be at the end of the day. But as long as you've got Julius Randle as your centrepiece, so to speak, of or your franchise player, um, I think you're going to be let down. You're, You're a good regular season team, but you're not a very good playoff team at the end of the day.
1: I agree with you. Um, And I think there may be a real silver lining to this because I don't think the Knicks can genuinely contend for the championship. I think they'll scare Boston if they cross over against Boston. I don't think they beat two very good teams consecutively. Um, But what's happened here is that if the New York Knicks are aware of this, and you compare Julius Randle's last three seasons, incredible, horrible, incredible, I don't know what next year is going to look like. They don't know what the playoffs are going to look like. Betty's trade value's increased. And what they've been able to demonstrate as a, as an organization now is that they've become a free agent friendly destination again. So, if Julius Randle's trade value increases and they've got they've still got draft assets, they they, they gave some away, but they've got that, they've got youth. Um I would not be surprised to see them absolutely in the midst of a very, very high-profile free agent this off-season. Remove Randall and bring in—I don't know—a perimeter bigger Carl Anthony Towns, or a, or a, an incredibly skilled wing. You know, fill in one of those spots that they're not quite right in. All of a sudden, um, they've got a pretty good, pretty good. Uh, foundation to build a championship
0: contending team. Can I ask you, as an opposing player, did you feel more pressure playing at Madison Square Garden? And what would be that transferable pressure if you were actually playing for the Knicks and not winning at Madison Square Garden? I I think (laughs) one of the issues
1: the Knicks have, especially when when they're not good, is Madison Square Garden is still, in most people's mind, the most famous basketball stadium court in the world, and stories are told from your performances at Madison Square Garden. Josh Giddey had a triple-double in his first two games at Madison Square Garden. Um, Players come in wanting to perform to say that they've had an incredible performance at Madison Square Garden. So whether or not the Knicks are a contender or they sit down towards the bottom of the East and they've been there for a while, they still get teams' best nights because they want to perform at Madison Square Garden. So, yeah, I do think there's an added pressure. But I think the team that they've put together has got a ruggedness and a toughness for the most part that will be able to handle that moving forward. And I think whoever they bring in will need to have that kind of characteristic as well, personally, as well as from a skill level, that they can defend Madison Square Garden. So I think that would be one of the hardest home courts to defend.
0: Well, I think that uh, wraps it up. Thanks again to our good friends at Hoop City. Go to a Hoop City location to raise your game. Chris, it's been a good morning talking hoops. Uh, we're excited. We've got a few uh, interviews to come. We've got a couple of... Uh, we... A very,
1: very special one coming oh, up later on in the way. Can't wait
0: for it. It was, a, it was a fantastic chat. It was everything that we could have hoped for and more, and we're really looking forward to getting that one out. But uh, to you, mate, thank you very much. Thank you for listening and we will talk to you all next time.